0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Cinema's Soft Underbelly, your one-stop shop for all things horror-related, science fiction, fantasy, gems in the rough. Hard-defined movies, movies that have not been seen, that should be seen, movies that, um that I like, that not many others do like. Uh, today, I have uh, a, a different type of episode, actually. It's uh, it's one that doesn't really fit under Soft Underbelly, yet I have this strange urge to talk about these movies, and so it's my show, so I'm going to talk about them. Why not? Uh, I want to talk about my favorite movies set in a prison. And... Um there's obviously there's tons of movies that are set in in prisons and obviously some are better than others some are some are grindhousey type things some are award-winning movies some are just meh uh but today the movies that I want to to talk about are depending on how much time I have are kind of all over the board uh I definitely want to start with my favorites and then kind of just Go from go from there and see what happens and uh, all that good stuff. Uh, so I am going to start with uh, not necessarily underbelly stuff, but uh, these are these are very well regarded uh, movies that have won awards. Um, so uh, I'm just getting my my notes here. Okay, so. Here we go. Um, the first one, and these are a couple of these I just got done watching here within the last couple of weeks, and another one I got done watching a couple months ago, I think. I Actually, we talked about it on, uh, on Movie Freaks, but I'm going to talk about it here uh, as well because it ties in with this, this show. Uh, first one I want to talk about is The Green Mile from 1999, directed by Frank Darabont, and starring Tom Hanks, uh, Michael Clark Duncan, uh, David Morse, uh, great great list of, of characters in this movie. James Cromwell's in this, Bonnie Hunt, um, Michael Jeter's in this, Sam Rockwell, who is fantastic, Barry Pepper, who is also fantastic, um, Harry Dean Stan. Anyway, I, the list goes on and on and on. This is uh, A-list cast, A-list director from an A-list book, in my opinion. The Green Mile, I actually just got done reading The Green Mile. Uh, After I'm on a Stephen King book. I've been reading through his entire uh, collection of novels that he's written. And uh, I started that a little over a year ago now. So I'm always reading something from him. Right now I'm reading The Talisman. uh, But before The Talisman, I finished up The Green Mile. And before The Green Mile, it was Eyes of the Dragon. And before that, it was Under the Dome. So Green Mile, though. Uh, The book was... Fantastic. One of the best Stephen King books I have ever read. Uh, The reason that it took me so long to read this book, because I know how how highly regarded the book is, and uh, part of me wanted to read it early on, but I had seen this movie only once in the theater way back in 1999 when it came out, and I remember really liking it, but uh, that's as far as it went. And and being as I had seen the movie, I'm like, "Ah, I'm not as. Jazzed about reading the book as some of his other books. Uh, same kind of applied for Pet Cemetery. Uh, Pet Cemetery is such is it's not a great movie, but it's a very well made movie, and it, it is very very accurate uh, with tying into the book. It's very very similar. Well, the same can be said about The Green Mile. Now, the difference between something like Pet Cemetery and The Green Mile is that we have an A list director here. And not that not that there's anything wrong with Pet Cemetery, but the Pet Cemetery was made in 1989. Uh, it is a bit dated at this point. Um, still very good, but it's a very different type of movie. It's more of a pulpy horror movie type thing. This is not that at all. Uh, the book itself was a little over 400 pages, so not that long of a book, especially coming from Stephen King. Stephen King writes uh, epics, and my favorite books from him, books like It, The Stand, Under the Dome, uh, even... Uh, uh, Salem's Lot. Those are all to close to a thousand pages. Salem's Lot is obviously not that long, but the other ones are over a thousand pages. Uh, so The Green Mile is a lot shorter. What I like about the fact that it is shorter uh, is this movie is three hours long, a little over three hours long. So almost everything in the book is in the movie, and I really, really appreciate that because this could have been one of those movies where. Um, Easily could have been one of those movies where you get an hour and a half long run time and it's basically the brief cliff notes of a superior novel. However, I personally think that The Green Mile is every bit the equal of the book. There are a couple places in the movie that I actually think are better than what Stephen King wrote. On the flip side, there are also some things in the book that I think were expanded on a lot better uh, in the novel versus versus the movie. The main one would be uh, Tom Hanks' character, uh, Paul Edgecombe. In the book, he, you hear a lot of what he's thinking, what he's going through, uh, which is one nice thing about a novel is you know, the, the author can write it in such a way that you know we are hearing his thoughts. Here, it's not as easy. It's more of... Conveying, conveying actions by acting and by facial expression. And, and it works very well. Tom Hanks is a fantastic actor, um, and he plays the part perfectly. He, is, he was perfectly cast in this movie. And that's another thing. I love when movies are perfectly cast, and The Green Mile was perfectly cast. Everybody was great in this movie. Um, but anyway, so in the book, beings, uh, beings we can hear his thoughts uh, a lot of that works better in the book. However, there are certain parts in the movie that, because you're watching it visually, it's even it's it's better. Um, and I, and I hesitate to say too much about that because I don't want to spoil it for anybody that may not have seen The Green Mile or haven't hasn't seen it in a long time. You really owe it to yourself to give that movie another another watch because it is. Such a great movie, and I looked over the list of movies that came out in 1999, and that is The Green Mile is, is truly one of the best movies of that year, uh, and it's one of the best King uh, adaptions to film of all time. Uh, I will say there is one scene in the movie where. Uh, I, I guess I should go over the storyline for anybody that may not know what this is about. The lives of guards on death row are affected by one of their uh, one of their the inmates that shows up uh, a black man accused of child murder and rape yet who has a mysterious gift so that's a huge sprawling story all encompassed in just a couple of sentences, uh, but there is a man that was accused of 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 that, he has special powers, and at one point, the guards actually try to use his special powers to heal the warden's uh, dying wife. She, I think she's got a brain tumor, and uh, the scene in the movie is—I I actually think it's, it's much better done than than how King wrote it in the book. Um, and same with the ex- the executions are done uh, tastefully, I guess you could say in the movie, but still, this is a very much an R-rated movie, and so they don't—they don't. They don't um they don't shy away uh, so it that really worked good in the book you really get a sense of what the the, the inmates there's a, just there's just a couple people on death row in in this particular uh in this particular book and the green mile would is that is referring to the green flooring on death row, the green mile. Then you walk the green mile to go to the chair to get the old Sparky. And, um, in the book, you actually hear uh, with them, you hear their backstories and you get invested in these characters that are about to die. And, uh, and it's, it's really, it's really heartbreaking when you're reading the book and you hear that the movie, uh, does away with a lot of the backstory on them. You still like the characters. Um, these are just these are flawed men that have majorly screwed up, and, and they're at the end of their of their rope. Um, and these are the guards that are there to, honestly, at the end of the day, it's there to counsel them and keep them calm before they're executed. Uh, that's really what their their job is there to keep them in their cells and to talk to them and keep them as sane as possible. And, uh, the cast is just so good. And for as good as Tom Hanks and David Morse, uh, and James Cromwell and, um, Barry Pepper as the guards are, there is one guy, uh, on the green mile. He's the bad guy. Of course, there always has to be a bad guy, you know? Um, and his name is, I'm looking over here. Obviously Sam Rockwell is the main, is the main, uh, death row inmate villain, and he ties in with Michael Clark uh, Duncan's character, John Coffey, uh, who has the powers, and everything comes full circle in this movie, uh, but um, I'm looking over the, I want to get this right, I don't want to screw it up, um, Piercy Wetmore, uh, Doug Hutchinson, uh, Hutchison, I'm sorry, Doug Hutchison, he's the, he's the villainous uh, police officer in the movie, And he is despicable. And I love the fact that they cast him so perfectly from the book because you loved to hate him in the book and you equally love to hate him in the movie. And there's a couple scenes, key scenes that are in the book that are almost shot for shot in the movie. And it it works so perfectly. And you're so furious at this guy. And uh, it's just great. But the prison setting is fantastic. Uh, you truly feel like you are in 1930s, in the 1930s, and this is what it's like to be on death row in the 30s. And it's so cool how uh, how it was filmed, how everything came together so well, uh, as well as um, the translation from novel to book. It's 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 brilliant. Um, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything. I mean, there's oh, there's a bazillion notes. Um, on this actual movie and I don't, I'm, I'm just, I basically I just wanted to gush on the movie because I like it so much uh, so I'm not going to really get into the, uh, the ins and outs of, of production. Uh, if you don't know this Stephen King uh, did write this particular book as a series of books so each one was I like, I'm not even sure if it was 100 pages long each uh but they came out like in I think monthly segments and each one is a cliffhanger and the thing is you me reading the novel I knew it was a cliffhanger because you could tell where one ends where one book ends and you're like oh man man that would be really that would be really tough to end uh to end a little mini serialization novel thing on that note, and then people have to wait, because uh, it's so abrupt, and it's brilliant. And I, 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 man, I thought it was it was great. So, um, anyway, uh, loved the movie. It is, it is a, at this point, I am considering this a timeless classic, filmed in 1999, and the movie is now 15 years old, and it feels as fresh as if it would have came out uh, yesterday. This movie could have been released yesterday and been every bit as well-made, every bit as uh, relevant and, uh, about thoughts on, on, uh, on, the, uh, executions. Um, great movie. Uh, one other thing, uh, for those that have read the book, uh, or, have, or have not read the book, uh, there is a wrap around in the book with Tom Hanks character as an old, as an old man. And it's much more expounded on in the book versus the movie. And I figured, uh, before, once I got done with the book, before I watched the movie, I figured if they're going to cut anything out, I bet it's going to be that. It worked really well for, for the book. But in my mind, thinking, uh, I can see where, where that would slow the, the main focus of the movie down. But in book form, it works very, very well, and it ties in so well with what happens to Tom Hanks' character as a young man. Uh, so it, they do a couple things a little bit different to tie it all together in the movie. And it works very, very well too. But my hats off to Frank Darabont for making uh, such a great, uh, King adaption. Green Mile is a huge thumbs up. I think I gave it 4.5 out of five stars. Uh, it gets a bit melodramatic towards the end with John Coffey's character and just, you know, dealing with death row inmates here. And, uh, it, it, for me, there was a couple a couple scenes with a couple of the side actors that kind of took me out of the movie just a little bit. However, that is a minor minor complaint in what I consider to be a masterpiece. So, The Green Mile, uh, one of the very best prison movies ever made, if not the best. Um, I go back and forth. With, I uh, I'm guessing that. Uh, That this one here is probably my favorite prison movie. Uh, Although Green Mile is so it's 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 neck and neck, and that would be another Stephen King adaptation directed by Frank Darabont, The Shawshank Redemption from nineteen ninety four, now twenty one years old, and just rewatched this on Blu ray, and I gotta say, uh, movie feels other than the aging of actors now. With you know we got Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman, they look a lot older now than they did. 21 years ago, this movie feels again, like it could have came out yesterday. Uh, it was shot incredibly well. And this was shot at the Mansfield Penitentiary, uh, all of an hour away from me. I think that's really cool. And I love that setting. I have yet to visit the Mansfield Penitentiary, but I would like to visit that sometime. Uh, it's been used in numerous movies, Air Force One. It was, uh, some scenes were shot there. I believe a, a Marilyn Manson video was shot there, um, amongst other amongst other things. So anyway, um, Shawshank Redemption. Uh, if you don't know about this movie, then shame on you. Who doesn't know about the Shawshank Redemption? This is the number one movie, number one rated movie on IMDb out of 250 movies or top 500, I think. This is number one. Uh, two imprisoned men bond over a number of years finding solace and eventual redemption through acts of common decency and again that encapsulates the movie perfectly and if this movie doesn't make you feel i hate to say that sounds cheesy but if it doesn't make you feel warm inside and and to to put a smile on your face when it's all said and even though it's a rough it's a rough ride it's just it's such a positive message of not um I don't know, not, not uh, letting the man get you down and uh, finding the good in, in everything and anything. And, uh, and that's what this movie is. I have not read the Stephen King short story, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, uh, although it is a short story. And this movie here is two hours and 20 minutes long. I would bet that this, and uh, you know, I don't want to say for sure, but I would bet that this is fairly similar to the book and it's on my list. Uh, I'm going to read it for sure. Possibly after I finish up with the talisman, this might be my next book that I read. Actually, it's a, it's, uh, that, that particular story is included in Stephen King's novel, uh, different seasons. And that also has, um, the breathing method apt pupil and the body and the body is actually stand by me is the, the movie adaptation of the body. So, uh, I've I already read uh, The Breathing Method, which I thought was average for a Stephen King book. Um, but I have a feeling that the other three are going to be fantastic because the movies are are fantastic. So uh, Shawshank Redemption. Uh, Tim Robbins has never been better. Morgan Freeman is, personally, this is one of his, if not his best role ever. Um, everybody is great in this movie. William Sadler is in this. Um, uh Clancy Brown is in this, and Clancy Brown, you should know who Clancy Brown is, uh, I, I, I think he's, he's great. Um, he's been in so many great movies. Starship Troopers, he is Mr. Crab from uh, from Spongebob. Um, he was in Highlander, the original Highlander. He's been in a ton of movies, and he's, he still is, and he's still great. i I've enjoyed watching him for, uh, years and years and years. In fact, his first movie was Bad Boys from 1983, not the Will Smith movie, but the Sean Penn prison movie. He was, uh, he was in that movie. That was his first movie, which I think that's kind of interesting. But anyway, uh, he is a great villainous, uh, prison guard in this movie and he's a scumbag. And, uh, Bob Gunton is the warden, Warden Norton, and he is, uh, He's great too. He's been in a ton of stuff. He was in Argo. He was in Ace Ventura: Demolition Man. Uh, oh, huge, 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 huge list. Um, he was in 24, the the TV show 24. Uh, if you see, he's one of those character actors where if you see him, you know him. Like, oh, that guy. Yeah, okay. So anyway, the list goes on and on and on. I'm not gonna get into all of the cast, uh, but. Uh, I saw this movie in the theater. I was one of the very, very few people that saw this in the theater because the movie bombed, uh, and it's—I I, to this day I don't know why, uh, because it, it found it found a completely new life on home video, and has since obviously it's become a movie of legend. I mean, this is who hasn't seen the Shawshank Redemption um, or at least heard of it, and uh, I still remember seeing that in the theater. Not knowing a whole lot about it, and, it, and again, it, it didn't do good, but still drove all the way up to Canton to see it, and I, I was blown away. Uh, and this is back when I was fresh out of high school, and I remember getting kind of teary-eyed in the end because it's, it's got such a big emotional closer, uh, and it's not ham-fisted. It's not forced or fake. Or sappy. It's so uplifting, and it after everything that has happened in the movie, it's such a release, and I love it. I love how everything comes together in this movie. It's it's brilliant, and um, Tim Robbins. I've always liked him as an actor ever since Top Gun, uh, but I gotta say that this is easily his best role that he has ever done. Um, and like I said before, Morgan Freeman fantastic and this is the movie that with the classic tagline uh, get busy living or get busy dying and, and amen to that it's it's great so um just a couple notes here Stephen King sold the rights to the novella Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption very cheaply out of his friendship with Frank Darabont they had originally become friends when Darabont adapted a short story of King's called The Woman in the Room uh King has a policy stating that any aspiring filmmaker can adapt his short stories for a buck and King was thoroughly impressed. Uh, they maintained a pen-pal relationship and didn't actually meet until Darabon optioned the Shawshank Redemption. I think that's so cool. And, um, and you know, for what it's worth, and maybe I should give my my co-host, movie, uh, Eric Marner on, on Movie Freaks, is going to probably like me saying this. Um, I should give The Mist another chance. I read The Mist uh, and the book, and I loved the book. And the movie, uh, I, I actually used to have the Blu-ray and I sold it. I was that furious at the ending. But I really should give it another chance because Frank Darabont is a great director. Uh, I wish that he would be making uh, more stuff. Um, I mean, honestly, he has not directed a movie since t- since The Mist in 2007. He's done TV shows. He did. Uh, he's done one, two, he's done four different TV shows. Uh, it's so bizarre. I mean, the Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile, The Majestic, and The Mist. Those are the only movies he's made that he's directed. And I have not watched The Majestic, but I hear it's a great movie. Uh, I I have no reason for not having seen that. I should. Uh, but it's, I'm just surprised. Very, very surprised that for uh, feature-length theatrical movies, that's all he's done, done so far. So, um, however... On the flip side, uh, he has written a a great deal of cool stuff. Uh, He's written, (laughs) I'm just looking here, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Dream Warriors, The Blob from 1988, The Fly Part 2, some Tales from the Crypt episodes, Young Indiana Jones episodes, um, Frankenstein from 1994, uh, so, he's he's done some other stuff, and then uh, he's done some stuff on The Walking Dead as well. Uh, so, anyway, uh, enough about Frank Darabont himself. Uh, back to the movie. Uh, um, so, if you haven't seen the movie, I don't want to say a whole lot, uh, it, because it's one that, that, uh, that you just have to experience. It is a true cinematic work of art. Perfect five star out of five. There is nothing... Um. There's, there's nothing that I would change in this movie. Uh, Tom Hanks, Kevin Costner, Tom Cruise, uh, Nicholas Cage, of all people, Johnny Depp and Charlie Sheen were all considered for the part of Andy Dufresne, but uh, Hanks turned it down because he was committed to Forrest Gump. Costner liked the script a lot, but was then uh, embroiled in the filming of Waterworld. So I cannot imagine this movie not starring Tim Robbins and starring Kevin Costner instead. Um, Thank God he went to do Waterworld, which I, for what it's worth, I enjoy Waterworld enough. But I think that Tim Robbins was cast perfectly. He he brings that character to life. Um, um, Okay, so a couple other notes here, just because I I find this very interesting. Prison that was... uh, The setting for Shawshank, the Ohio State Reformatory, now serves as a museum. And because it was scheduled for demolition at the time of filming, several set pieces remain intact in the prison, including the tunnel Andy crawled out of uh, and the warden's office. And I think that's great. And it's another reason why I've got to get my butt out there and take a look at this place. Uh, Director director Frank Darabont watched Goodfellas every Sunday while shooting Shawshank, to draw inspiration from it on using voice-over narration and showing the passage of time. And what better movie to do that than Goodfellas? Uh, Goodfellas is a masterpiece. Um, So, anyway. um, uh, Great movie. Uh, There's not a whole lot I can say about it. The film's initial gross in the theater was $18 million and didn't even cover the cost of its production. Um, it did another 10 million in the wake of its Oscar nominations, but the film was still deemed to be a box office flop. And it's just it's weird how uh, how Shawshank Redemption is not considered a flop. It's like when you hear for Shawshank Redemption, it's this is a masterpiece of cinema that most people have seen. But back in the days of of theatrical release, it was. And back then, uh, we're still we're still we haven't even gotten into um, Uh, into the days of DVD when this movie came out. So this is way back in the VHS days. Um, Frank Frank Darabont. this is my last note on on this movie. Frank D'Arabant decided not to have the deleted scenes on the DVD release of the film because he was embarrassed by them and didn't want them to be seen publicly. I cannot imagine that deleted scenes from the movie are an embarrassment cuz there is not one single shot in that movie that is an embarrassment in any way and I would be very interested to see and maybe maybe there are and I just uh in sub- subsequent releases since DVD maybe there are scenes that uh are on special features I don't know but anyway uh this movie is fantastic uh and I've only gotten through two movies and it's I'm fast running out of time uh there's so many there's so many prison movies that are are so good. And I mean we're talking about movies that range from uh, from extreme cheesy. In fact, what I should have been talking about today but I didn't is the Ilsa movies from the 70s. That's that fits into soft underbelly, not the masterpieces I'm talking about. But the Ilsa Wicked Warden and Ilsa She-Wolf of the SS and Ilsa Harem Keeper of the Oil Sheiks or whatever. Um, those are soft underbelly prison movies there. Uh, that is all about um, exploitation, I guess you could say. That's that's for another show, because I'm sure that eventually I'm going to get into the Ilsa movies. And if you don't know what the Ilsa movies are, uh, go into IMDb and just type in Ilsa and see what pops up. There you go. Uh, but the other movie that I was going to hit on today, but I simply don't have time, is uh, is Clint Eastwood's movie um, Escape from Alcatraz. And that is one of, that probably be my third favorite movie. Uh, prison-based movie. It's it's close to being as, it, it's almost a perfect movie to me. Now, that one there definitely feels a little more, bit more dated than the movies that I talked about today because it was filmed in the 70s, but it does have a 70s feel to it, but it's a great movie, um, and if I'd have more time, I would probably get into more of that, but I guess I'll leave you with this, with that movie is, that the title is what the movie is. Uh, Clint Eastwood stars in Escape from Alcatraz, so that's the movie, and it is good, and it is based on a true story. Uh, big thumbs up, big big thumbs up. But there's uh, there's outer space movies that are uh, that are prison based. Uh, the Christopher Lambert movie Prison or not Prison uh, uh, Fortress was good, and um, and actually Rennie Harlan's Prison was good. Uh, actually, very good. Uh, surprisingly, that was I, that was his first directing gig. And Viggo Mortensen is is actually the actor in that horror movie, Prison. But that's a that's a good movie, uh, and and the list goes on and on and on. And whatever, that's I love I love a, I love a really good, well made prison movie. Uh, and I've covered to me to be the the top tier prison movies. But there are so many other movies out there that are great. I mean, The Last Castle is I think an underseen, underappreciated. Uh, gem um, the rock I hardly consider the rock to be a prison movie, although it is set on alcatraz it 's we 're talking about prisoners in a prison doing time, trying to break out, or lives revolving around them in prison. All that good stuff. So uh, anyway, I'm, I'm done with, with uh, the prison stuff today. But I have a feeling that because I only hit on two movies, I'll be revisiting this subject because it's, it's quite fascinating to me. So um, you can uh, get a hold of me at Eugene-Weaver at com for any questions that you may have or movies you think I should see or... Uh, movies I shouldn't see, or if, how I can improve my show. If you think my show sucks, that's fine. Uh, tell me. If you think it's great, tell me too. I would appreciate the the feedback. Uh, and of course, make sure that you tune into Movie Freaks. We are now on iTunes. That's the sister show that I co-host with Eric Marner. And uh, finally, at long last, we have made the jump from from YouTube to iTunes. So just go into iTunes, do a search, we're there. And we just did a great episode last night. How the end results will be, I don't know. You're going to have to find out. Uh, Stay tuned for more on that later. And then, of course, our friends over at Cinema Sidekicks, uh, Ty Mullet and Stephen Miller, talking about uh, all things new release. Not necessarily all things new release. Uh, In their latest episode, uh, Steve talked about an older movie, um, but it's always good to listen to them and hear them chime in on different movies and hear their back and forth. They're quite funny. And we're going to be doing a major, mega podcast taping this coming Friday. So stay tuned for that. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Soft Underbelly, Movie Freaks, and Cinema Sidekicks are all going to have a segment. And that's uh, hopefully all three of those will be up on the internet next week sometime. And we're going to have a great time. Can't wait for that. Uh, So anyway, that's going to do it for me today, but I am sure that you'll be hearing from me again real soon. Again, thanks for listening and uh, until next time.